Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It'll be the experimental episode. It was. It'll be like, you know, know, the French New Wave episode. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we we missed a week. We got a particularly when there was actual football happening. So we got to get right into it. It's podcast lafu. That's right, <laughs> podcast lafu. <laughs> yeah, this is podcast eight and a half. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, we were like uh, we missed last week. <clears throat> and that's. No. That was my fault because I was sick. So yeah. I will take the blame on that one. I had, yeah, look, d- diarrhea is undefeated. That's <laughs> really all you can say. And particularly when you have two kids as well. So it, was, it has not been happy times. Not cool. Not cool. But bouncing back, we're here for this week. So we have two games to get through. And honestly, let's be honest. We, who, who really cares about Chattanooga? I like that you said honest twice there. Um, yeah, thanks. But yeah, there, that was, I think, another reason I didn't feel terribly compelled because it was like, what are we going to preview about an FCS, you know, cupcake game? Obviously, hey. I, I wanted to recap BYU, but we can do that this week. So Yeah, we, we can get into a little bit of that. So, first, I'm Poser. That's Dan. And we're sorry that we missed you. Personally, I missed you. We only have one listener, so it's... Uh, that's right. <laughs> we are huge in Belgium. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, LSU has started off the season... I don't want to say exactly as we expected. The record's what we expected. 2-0, and uh, despite everyone else trying to convince me that BYU would be a tough out. I don't think anyone honestly expected LSU to be anything but 2-0 at this point. For sure. Um, how we got there, okay, we can talk uh, talk about that. The games did have a little bit of variety to them. And now we go into the first road game of the season, the first SEC game of the season, and honestly, what could be one of the toughest games on the schedule. So, this is a big game. I can't believe it. Mississippi State is a big game. <laughs> I know. I uh, I think their fans have a real like chip on their shoulder about how we perceive them, but it's like you know maybe beat us once, you know more than once in the last you know, twenty years, and we won't be it's so dismissive of you. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's really hard. To, it, it's really hard to take Mississippi State seriously. Uh, this has not been an even rivalry in any way, shape, or form. 
And I know like Alabama went 30 years without losing in Tiger Stadium. But in the meantime, LSU did win some games in Alabama. It wasn't 30 years without losing to LSU. Um, you go 20 years and only lose once. Eh, it's hard to it's hard to call it a rivalry. It, it's hard to keep the interest up. Yeah, I mean the the all time series is 73 to 34. Like we almost have double the we have over double. As many wins against them. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's not good. No. Um, but first, before we get into the state game, let's at least talk about the two openers. Um, BYU, we can do real quick. Um, went off without a hitch. Uh, a Really a dominating performance. Um, it was a little discouraging not to see them open up the offense mainly because you wait all year and it kind of felt like you'd wait all year for Christmas morning and got socks. <laughs> and you really needed the socks. It was cold outside and they're nice, good, fuzzy, comfortable socks, but still socks. And look, that's what BYU gave, gave the offense. So LSU took it and just hammered them. Um, BYU was never really in the game. Um, but LSU just ran and ran and ran and ran the ball down their throat. God, they looked defeated. Like, it was like midway through the first quarter, and, like, they're just moping on the sidelines. Yeah, you, that game was over early. Yeah. So I don't want to say it was the wrong strategies. It, when I say it's discouraging, I don't mean it from a football sense. I mean it from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, I think not to seg right into the second game, but just – I think we should discuss the offense in a larger in larger terms now that we're getting more of a picture with two games under our belt, even if one of them is cupcake central. But yeah, no, you can start to see philosophy and things like that. Um, in the BYU game, for some reason, they kept two safeties high, mm-hmm. and <laughs> so LSU just ran the ball. And honestly. As much as we kind of made fun of that on the site of, like, have you ever ever seen LSU play offense, it actually helped them stop the run as well. Because in previous years with so many people crowding the line, once you bust through that line of defense, the runner was gone. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the reasons LSU was able to bust so many big runs was ironically because so many guys were in the box. Yeah. And this was once you busted through the line, there was another line of defense. And so it actually wasn't the worst strategy in the world. No, I mean, yeah, it was total. BYU's aim was let's not get beat by big plays. I think they had intentions of, you know, not staying on the field all night. <laughs> but that didn't happen for them. Right. Um, yeah, in, in stopping one thing, they caused something else. And then you get to the next game where Chattanooga played LSU a little bit more straight up, but also cheated a little bit more towards the line of scrimmage. So Canada took that opportunity to go bombs away. Yep. And I think you're seeing, like, I could be dead wrong on this, but to me, early on, what I see are the the pieces of good process and just good philosophy. It's good. He He's doing what he said he was going to do, which is my offense is designed to take whatever they give me. 
So right. I'm going to do what we do best, you know, and I'm going to use players to their strengths, and I'm going to do whatever the defense dictates that I should do. And through two games, that's exactly what he's done. What I liked about it is, okay, in both those games, LSU clearly had a talent advantage. Yeah. So, But even with that talent advantage, from a schematic point of view, it was there isn't a way to stop the LSU offense. If you do this, LSU can do X to counter. You know, if you, Then if you try and stop that, LSU can do Y to counter that. Yeah. And that is not something that has been in the bag of tricks. Uh, now, part of the reason they were able to do whatever they wanted is because of the talent advantage. It, it wasn't because... We need to see what happens when LSU goes up against a live defense, which Mississippi State certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. But it just it feels like a, the approach is different, whereas Miles would have just gone right back. Like it, Miles would have just kept hammering the run game until the opponent surrendered in yes. those games. It, it and they never would have been, surrendered. Yeah, and they would have. It would have worked. I'm not, I'm not saying it wouldn't have. It just it feels refreshing to see a different tactic applied. Yeah, um, so and I think was, people felt like exhausted, like nothing changed after week one, even though it was extremely successful. They yeah, were just like, I know. Oh, shit, and same old story. It, it kind of was. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, and that's unfair because that's loading up a new coach with old baggage. Yeah. But we're old fans; we didn't go anywhere, so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's fair and unfair at the same time. But then in game two, Chattanooga, they decided to exploit those matchups and. You know, you saw Etling throwing the deep ball, and it really worked out well. There was just some huge big gains, um, and there was at least five passes over 40 yards. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. And that's the kind of encouraging thing that you want to see because that was that has not been a part of the game plan. Yeah, and I think that that's what I'm getting at is the strategic approach looks better than what we've had the last several years. Now, an offense could still fall, fall apart for many other reasons. Namely, yes. our offensive line still doesn't look to be stellar, and we are finally going to have like a real defensive line with some, yes. with some men on it, too. And no disrespect to BYU. They have a couple pretty good players there, but like they don't have Jeffrey Simmons, you know. These guys that are like real beasts. That and, and then also with BYU, it was they were good for a quarter, but since their offense gave them so little, yeah, they were just beasts. It, 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 it just they got exhausted. They, they were they were done by the second quarter. Yeah, and I I I don't know. I should we go right to Mississippi State? Yeah, why not? I, I don't think we want to belabor too much of the first. I, yeah, they're over. LSU beat an FCS team and a, and a group of five team. That's pretty good. Um, they're two and zero, but they have the stats are kind of illusory. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, but st- I mean, by that same token, our state's illusory, you know? Yes, because their defense was wretched last year, and I have a hard time believing they're suddenly like great. Yeah, like right now, Mississippi State is first in the SEC in yards per play. There's just no way. They are third in the SEC in yards per game 
and they are one of four teams in the SEC that is allowing less than 200 yards a game. <laughs> By the way, one of those teams is not Alabama. So we're at a point where – and number one is Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I, I have a really hard time believing – in stats right now, um, Mississippi State just destroyed Charleston Southern. Um, you think we dominated Chattanooga and well BYU barely had any yards. Uh, Charleston Southern um, ran forty-seven plays for thirty-three yards. It's impressive. It, uh, no matter your level, I mean that is that's less than a yard of play. That is amazing. Um, I think we'll see a little bit more. Louisiana Tech is a little bit more LSU speed. Um, LSU is a better team than Louisiana Tech, of course, but that at least is in the ballpark of live ammo. Yeah. And in that game, uh, Louisiana Tech ran 80 plays for 315 yards with just under four yards of play. So in that, it shows, hey, maybe State's got a good defense. Yeah. But they're certainly punching well above their weight class right now because of the quality of opponent they've played. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a defense. I know this is last year, but they were last or like next to last in the conference in yards per play. They were third from last in total yards a game. I mean, I'm sure they were down there in scoring. Yeah, they weren't good. So it's not like you're talking about like Georgia, who was like a roughly top five defense jumping up and being like best defense in the conference. That's believable to me, like totally conceivable. But you're talking about them. This, that's too far of a leap. So yeah, teams don't improve that much in a year, generally. Yeah. So I I, I totally agree with you on that. I think uh, Mississippi State, um, they might have gotten gotten from bad to good. That yeah. happens all the time. But they are not elite. Like so they are not going to help. If they held Louisiana Tech to 330 yards, remember, that could mean they could only hold LSU to 400, and 400 yards for LSU would certainly win this game. Yeah. I mean, unless there's, like, just an amazing amount of turnovers. Yeah. Which is not something I think this offense will struggle with. I don't don't see it being a turnover-prone offense. Well, right now, the two games haven't turned the ball over once, and that's one of the big things for them right now is that – with all of the increased efficiency and scoring and moving the ball up and down the field, they're still clinging to that old lodestone of don't turn the ball over. Yep. So that's encouraging to see. So, yeah, I think both teams, you have indications of what kind of team they are, but you just don't know just because of the quality of play each team has played is really deceiving. Absolutely. We opened as what? Touchdown favorites? Yeah, touchdown favorites. That seems fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, indicative of the the gap of you would expect. In the, I mean, I, w- I wonder what the line would be if it was played in Tiger Stadium. Obviously, they get some points being in Starkville. Yeah, I think it would be closer to, like, what, eight or nine probably. Um, but also the thing that's really impressive is you know, we took it on the defensive side. Both teams right now are top five in just about every stat mm-hmm. in the SEC. Same thing on offense. Both these teams are top five offenses. And on that front, Mississippi State was a good offense last year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could make the step to great this year. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's something that could be real, um, how well their offense is played. 
Yeah, that's a debate we've sort of been having offline of how much do we believe in the offense? Like, I'm not a huge Nick Fitzgerald fan, and I, I, I mean, he's not like a – he's not terrible. I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he – I don't believe in him as a passer the way other people seem to. And LSU is really exceptional at stopping the run. So I think if they make him one-dimensional – Things could go downhill really quickly for State. And honestly, they did that last year. They turned him into a pocket passer. He wasn't able to get much. They had a late comeback to make the score look close. But LSU won that game handily last year. Yeah, they did. Um, So Fitzgerald right now, yeah, he's even with how well they've played against two bad teams, they're middle of the pack. I I mean, Fitzgerald is middle. Actually, he's right by Etling. Um, And Fitzgerald... um, has passed for 181 yards a game, Etling 199. But the difference here is that Etling's done it on eight less attempts. He's got a much higher passer rating, um, and he's throwing. Um, he's completing at 70 at a 71 percent clip. Fitzgerald's right around 60 percent. And the big thing is that Etling's getting 12.8 yards per attempt, which is unsustainable as hell. And Fitzgerald's at 7.7. Um, that's a huge difference. So basically, Etling is really crushing Fitzgerald on every stat. So even if we take the giant grain of salt of the level of competition, Etling's doing better against similar competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Fitzgerald, too, is he's not an efficient player, but he can be kind of a chaos player. So and that's, you got that's the propensity that he could turn in some big plays all of a sudden. I think that's the thing with Fitzgerald. It's not that he – he's not going to beat you – on long drives, you know, just grinding it out. That's not the kind of player he is. Which Dak what he is, did to us. Yes, he did. He's not Dak Prescott. No. He's much more, and I'm just going to use this as a chaos player. I don't think he's as good, but he's in the Johnny Manziel mold. Yeah. Where things break down and then he makes big plays and then whatever happens, happens. And LSU traditionally has problems with quarterbacks like that. Though they didn't have a problem with Johnny Manziel. Um, but chaos players tend of tend to freak out LSU because we like to know what the other guys are doing. LSU is much better at stopping really good quarterbacks. You yeah. Know, you know, LSU is much better at stopping to use the guys currently leading the SEC. They're much better at stopping Shea Patterson. Because you know what kind of player Shea Patterson is. That's the kind of thing LSU is good at. They can pin their ears back. They can, you know, they rush the passer. They rattle the quarterback. You know, they lock down receivers because the DBs are so good. Really good at that. What LSU is not good at is that guy who has that escapability. The play breaks down and then just shit happens. And that's where Fitzgerald scares me. Yeah, there's, there's some concern there. I also think just. They don't really have the skill players. Like when when they did beat us with Dak, which we now know Dak is just an exceptional player. So, um, you know, they they also had better skill players back then. Josh Robinson was just killed us. He was a stud. Uh, I think people have really forgotten how good he is. And they had Fred Um, Ross on those teams too. Yeah, Fred Ross was amazing. That's and Daronia Wilson. I mean, they had really they had some good players. I think the Fred Ross is the big is the big loss. Uh, I think Donald Gray's still there, but he's not quite that same level. Yeah, he's the, he's their leading receiver right now. Yeah, and he's a good player, but he's not he's not Fred Ross. 
and they're I don't I don't know a lot about their top running back. Yeah, I mean, ever since Robinson left, they just haven't had. I mean, I know that was only two years ago, so it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I haven't had a guy as good as Josh Robinson since he yeah. left. I mean, it was one season. But Fitzgerald, their running game goes through Fitzgerald, and he does have some design runs. Yeah. But really, it's he's at his best when the play breaks down and then all of a sudden he scrambles. Yep. Like, he, he's better as the Steve Young type runner, not the Tim Tebow type sure. runner. Sure, sure, um, And that, once again, goes back to the whole chaos thing. So... The real goal for LSU is to keep Fitzgerald in the pocket and turn him into a quarterback. I agree with you on that. I, I think if they turn Nick Fitzgerald into a quarterback whose only runs are designed runs, Mississippi State doesn't have a chance in hell. Yeah, I don't think so either. But that's easier said than done because Fitzgerald is the kind of player who can find ways to sneak his way through and then run around and make a play. Uh, he's a lot like uh, what's his face? The guy who played for Texas Tech in the bowl game last year. Mahomes. Yeah, like Mahomes started to burn LSU by running around and just doing crazy shit in the pocket. Yeah. Mahomes is a much better passer, but he does have that whole you know element of he doesn't just you know take a five step three or five step drop and then hits this guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean. We also get Arden Key back, which is—I don't know. It's a, it, I don't know what to think of that, honestly. It, it, uh, he's running yeah. with the first team already in practice, so they must feel like he's, he's Arden he's Key. Let, let's not let's not confuse things. I know they've played well without him, and the defense has been great, and they've been getting sacks. He's Arden Key. He is the best player on this defense, for sure. Let's not let's not com- you know make things complex. It's he's the guy now. Is it awesome that they can now line him up opposite Chase on and they can now rush the quarterback from both ends? I mean, that's crazy. And Corey Thompson. Yeah, and Corey Thompson. Suddenly, what the fuck? Yeah, he's just, once again, he's, but he's coming from a different position. Yeah. I mean, he's coming from the inside, basically. And then if they can get Richard Lawrence healthy, uh, uh, God, it's just, that is such a vicious pass rush. Yeah, and they've done a. It's getting closer and closer to, which I wrote about it, preseason is more like what you saw from him at what Aranda did at Wisconsin, where it was just bringing people from all over, all different angles, all different positions. And uh, he talked about it some in the offseason, too. You know, like, they have more versatile personnel now. So some guy, these guys now, they can rush and they can drop and they can cover sideline to sideline. So it's not just like, we're not as limited, I think, which is seems like a crazy thing to say about an LSU defense, but personnel-wise, we're just more flexible than we've ever been. No, I agree with that, and I understand that Key might not be as versatile as a player, but he is such an outstanding pass rusher, you just let him loose. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just I, worried about him being in shape, honestly. And I, I'm not too worried about that. And honestly, if he's not in, sh- not in shape, they'll rotate him in and out. Yeah. I mean, he, he's I still th- a guy that... Everyone's going to take notice as soon as he's on the field. So Yeah, and that's the thing. Is you just need him on the field. And look, after this game, there's going to be another two weeks to for him to get healthy and you know work things out before the schedule ramps up again. Yep. So it's this is 
you know, the get your feet wet game. If he overextends himself in this one, I'm not too concerned. This is a this is the big game. And the reason it is is not just because I think Mississippi State's so good. It's that every team on LSU's schedule in the SEC other than Alabama had question marks going into the season. So did LSU. And almost none of them have answered them in the positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there are there are SEC teams that have question marks that have answered them in the positive so far. They're just not on LSU's schedule. But almost everybody else is, like, you know, we were yeah, talking. Like South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina's answered every question perfectly. Um, Sky Moore's come back, and he's a stud, and it's really made their defense credible. And that's really what they needed. Um but you look at, like, we were talking preseason, like, A&M was a team that could go one of two ways. They could really – I could have seen them as a stalk, you know, as a stealth contender. Or everything could go wrong and they could just have one of those implosion kind of years. Well, I think the verdict's in. It's, <laughs> yeah. They are in full implosion right now. Yes. Say the least. Uh, actually, the, I think the one team that I think has been playing better than I thought they would is Ole Miss. Yeah, they're playing. Uh, they're doing the uh, the whole Red Cup Rebellion, Team Chaos, like just letting it loose. Yeah, I mean they haven't played anyone good yet, but they they still won two games. And but you look around, like Auburn. Look, I, I know you, you know you're high on Stidham, and he's I know been, Clemson. He's I know Clemson. So I know Clemson's great. That Clemson defense is ridiculous. That is a great defense. But and this is you know the big but Auburn doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of oh well their pass defense their pass offense will be fine because it hasn't been fine. So while some of the eleven sacks and only having a hundred and twenty yards of offense is hey Clemson's got a great defense. A lot of, another hunk of that is Auburn's just not very good offensively, and if they're not good offensively. They've got nothing. You know, I'm looking, I'm just combing through the stats just to see. When did Gus get to Auburn? Um, 2012, I think. 12 or 13. They have the highest pass offense ranking. I mean, this is total yards, so I know it's not everything, but like, they were seventh in 2014. So they've never really been a dominant passing team. Yeah. And in 2015 and 16, they were worse than LSU. Yeah. And they are last in the conference right now. Yeah. And like, when does he, I, I guess my question is, when does Gus stop getting the benefit of the doubt? Because this is what, like the fourth Auburn preseason Heisman quarterback we've had, you know, like it just, it never ends. Exactly. And look, it's still early. And again, I will at least give him the credit of Clemson's really good. But the early returns are not good on the planes. And they look bad in week one, too. It's not just the Clemson game. They weren't good in week one. And also part of the problem has been the running game, which has kind of been the thing that's bailed them out. Mm-hmm. Um, Petway has been, been good, but that's it. They haven't had any, any depth of that position. I will say his teams tend to get hot. That's and, true. And then they run, you know, and they go. But uh, – I don't know. Maybe it's ironing out kinks, but it just 
it doesn't seem like the Stidham fit was as seamless and natural as everyone thought it would be. Yeah, and basically Gus is the same offense as mine does less. Yeah. <laughs> Only he gets more of a benefit of the doubt. But, and then you look around, around like Arkansas, uh, that TCU game, that they looked helpless. Yeah. Uh, they oh, just could bad. not move the ball, which I thought was surprising because I thought Arkansas had a a solid offense, but they really miss Raleigh Williams. Yeah, yeah. And so you look around this division. Okay, so Auburn's not as good as we thought they were, probably. Arkansas looks worse than we thought they were. A and M, I don't know how they're going to recover from this. It's it just okay. everything's going. They're heading for a mid-season coach firing. Yeah, and look, they might. It's a it's a long season. They could probably get it out of the ditch by November. So I don't want to you know yeah I don't want to give us a win in November. But I'm saying right now they're just so that's three. They're taking on water. Yeah, they're, they're, those are three teams right there that are just Ole Miss. I still don't think is any good. No, I, I mean they're playing better than I thought they were, but they're still they're shorthanded. Yeah, and they derped which, around for a half against an FCS school. <laughs> which means the only team left in the West. Who is a really a legit contender to LSU is Mississippi State. They are the last team standing, even though we're this early in the season. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it's not all that far of what we talked about in the preseason, which is essentially that Alabama looks to be a pretty much Alabama, and then the rest of the SEC is just kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah, but you you expect at least one or two of them to have answered the questions in a positive. Yeah. I think that's the, the surprise. Because normally you're like, okay, this team has a question, this team has a question. But normally someone steps up and says, hey, we're going to be pretty good this year. Like they do with South Carolina. They go out there, they beat NC State, they blow out Missouri, and you're like, oh, wow, South Carolina's better than we thought. Like that happens every year. A team in the yeah. West steps up. And right now it doesn't look like anyone's stepping up, though it could be State. Which is why this is such a big game for LSU. If they can put a hammer down on Mississippi State, they have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the division. It's a two-team race. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're the team that's answered the questions because it was, what kind of offense will they have? Are they going to be one-dimensional again? Can Danny Etling even be the quarterback that they need? And I think through two games... Yes, we have. Etling looks as good or better than Mettenberger ever was, and we were always happy with that production. Right. I think right now we have, but I think it comes with a caveat of BYU Chattanooga. Yeah, that's fair. And so I think the Mississippi State game makes it real. Yep. And the thing is, if you win this, you have Troy and Syracuse. You're out to 5-0 and by the time you play Florida and Tennessee. And those are two teams that are struggling right now. Now, they could get out of the ditch pretty quickly, or they could get further into it. But LSU is poised pretty well to jump out you know, to six or seven wins before it really being tested, you know, before you know getting into the real meat of the schedule. Yeah, you survive this weekend. You're going to be... <clears throat> You know, knock on wood, five and zero. Then you go to yeah, Florida. You go to Florida at five and zero. And I think Florida's not very good. <laughs> no. I mean, that's just that's the bang. That's the drum I've been banging. Um, I don't want to say it's the hill I'm going to die on, but you see what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I was a bit surprised they opened as touchdown favorites over Tennessee. Who I've already I've already jumped all over that one. But yeah, then we can be six now going to Auburn, and yeah, that's that's the big one. But right now the big one is State. Uh, Mississippi State is LSU needs to show it's for real because I think LSU is all out of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, it was something that I've I've hit on in the preseason, right? I think it's good that the rest of the country is like, no, we need you to prove something. Like, we've given you a pass for a couple of years. And I, I think last year, LSU was worthy of the hype. It's just everything went wrong. That's fine. But in order to get the hype again, you now need to earn that respect back. Sure. And it, it starts with this one. And if you look at it on paper, LSU outmatches Mississippi State at nearly every position. Yeah. I mean, really, what does State have that LSU wishes they did? Um, Simmons, I mean, he, he he would start for LSU. Yeah, he's a special player. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald and Etling, I think they're different kind of players. Maybe one of their, a couple of their linemen? I don't know. Yeah, we, definitely we could use their depth on the line. Yeah. yeah. But that's about it. I mean... Yeah, I'm lo- I mean, Leo Lewis is Leo a Lewis is great good. linebacker, but LSU is all of a sudden chock full of young y- yeah. young linebacking talent. You know, yeah, that doesn't look like it's glaring of a thing right now. Yeah, that an- that's been answered in the affirmative. I think that's the big thing that's changed is that so many of these young freshmen have not just played but played well. Yeah, so well. And once again. Big grain of salt. Yep. BYU Chattanooga. But they have come out great. But, hey, that's how the schedule lined up. So you, you play these guys early. You get them confidence. And now they go into the – it's someone like, you know, Greedy Williams really taking advantage of a suspension. And now he's the starter. He's not going to give that job up. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. It <clears> – <throat> My voice is going again, but it was. I mean, we've all we've thought we talked about this preseason. Like the schedule always shaped up this way. Obviously, this is the game in the middle of it all. But for a young team that needed to answer some questions with youth, they got this nice beginning to the year to answer those questions with teams that they should beat. So, I mean, State is the one, you know, exclamation point in the middle of it that says, "Now you got to prove it." Right. Are you as worried about this game if it's in Tiger Stadium? Um, I actually think it's better they're playing in state. You know, because there's more focus there. Right now, I'm worried about complacency. You know, they had two really good, you know, two really good wins against overmatched teams. Someone rolls in the Tiger Stadium, everyone's telling them how good they are. You know, they have the home crowd behind them. If something goes wrong, all of a sudden everything goes silent. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of worse for them. And, they, you know, they start having time, you know, time to think about it they're gonna go on the road and they're gonna just be motivated and i think you know playing in front of all those you know those cowbells and a loud environment like that i think that's gonna get them amped up and i think they need that right now you know because they can still play with that chip on their shoulder very rarely does lsu get to play against mississippi state and have players that think i have something to prove yeah and so they can use that to their advantage early on and also they don't need to beat Mississippi State. They need to beat them. <laughs> like, 
no one's going to be impressed if they come out there and win this game 17 to 13. Yeah. Uh, they're, I think this team needs to be on a mission to win this by, at le- you know, win this by two scores. It needs to be a double digit win. Now, I don't think, or, you know, Orgeron's in the meeting saying, hey, you have to win this game by two scores because that'd be ridiculous. But that's the kind of statement I think this team needs to make. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that would be a decisive moment. Um, I mean, if they win close, though, I'm not going to... I guess we'll have to see how it happened. But, yeah, not. Um, I don't know. I'm but still not have, fully convinced this game answers as many questions as I wanted to. <laughs> no, it probably won't. I, I'm saying it can, though. Yeah. If LSU comes out and wins this game, you know, 35-7... to 7, it answers a bunch of questions. I'm pretty confident for the rest of the year. If they go out and win this game 17-13, well, then I'm still, particularly if it ends like on a goal line stand, well, then I'm nervous for, you know. I think, yeah. I just feel like it's going to be really hard for State to score on us. Yeah, I think that's the, you know, as well. And then what you want to do is you want to see that these freshmen who have shown such promise can do it against against live ammo. Yep. And still, we really need a number two receiver to step up. Honestly, those, my, yeah. My biggest concern is, honestly, I feel like the defense will hold their own, be fine, keep Fitzgerald in check. Um, I could see it being low scoring if our offensive line can't handle their defensive front. That's where our, I worry about things falling apart for LSU. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And Mississippi State will have one of the best defensive fronts we play all season. So, yeah, they always got those big Mississippi kids that live out on the Delta. And nobody knows anything about them, as Ozzie said. Yeah, no one knows anything about them. Um, so, this, I think, where it's being played, how it's situated in the schedule, this is a huge game for LSU. So they just got to go out and do it. There isn't the end of excuses. I think the season starts now. Yeah, I think they'll be up for it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's always fun to start conference play. It's, I agree. And, you know, I, football. I enjoy beating Mississippi State. It's, you know, one of those things. Yeah. They, uh... They lose to us a lot. <laughs> yeah. They have very few traditions at Mississippi State, but one of them is losing to LSU. <laughs> oh, man. So, All right, yeah. do, we have any, do we have any mailbag or just... I didn't take mailbag today, and I... The ones from last week weren't... There wasn't very many, so... All right, no problem. We could talk recruiting for a minute. Yeah, I know you wanted to talk. Uh, you you wanted to talk recruiting, so I, I think it's interesting. I know you don't follow recruiting as heavily, but I know you have a general idea of what's going on. Yes. Um. So sort Friday, it's it all kind of happened really quickly, and all of a sudden it was Justin Fields is coming in. For those of you who don't know, Justin Fields is the number one player in America, number one quarterback in the country, and he's also like. Throughout the spring and summer, he's blossomed into, like, generational quarterback. It's not just like, oh, this kid's good. You know, it's it's like 
this kid might be Cam Newton or something like that, like one of the most like a special talent type of player. And um, he was committed to Penn State for a while, decommitted from there. He's from Georgia. He's interested in Georgia. He likes Florida State. LSU has sort of they've been persistent, but hadn't really been making much ground. And all of a sudden, he's coming for an official. And my initial reaction, my first thought, and I've seen other people say this too, is like, why the fuck are we bringing him for Chattanooga? And I think this is one of those things where you can see how O operates as a recruiter, because this was instead, he was the only official visitor. And so this weekend was about Justin Fields. It wasn't about recruiting. It was about treating a quarterback like he's God, which quarterbacks like, you know? Yes. So they bring his family in, they wine and dine him, red carpet treatment, O walks him around the field, you know, it's it's just bathing that ego, and uh, it's a pretty smart decision. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting, like, if you would have asked me, like, last week, I'd be like, oh, we have no chance to get him, and I'm still not sure we really do. But apparently it's important to him that he has a chance to win the quarterback job. Uh, he doesn't want to be handed the job, but he, he wants to feel like he has a – you know, he's stepping on campus and has a competition that he could win. Right. Um, so, you know, if you look at his list of schools, like, he likes Florida. Okay, well, Florida has just put Frakes in. They're kind of banking on him being the guy. He likes right. Florida State. Well, that looked like... Francois. Yeah, that, that looked like a good situation for him until Francois goes down, and now they're going to be coming back with two guys that have a lot of experience. He likes Georgia, but they have now two injury. guys with experience. Yeah, yeah. they're going to have two guys with experience. And uh, caveat all this with it's September, so we don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, Eason and Fromm could both be terrible. Franks could totally flop, and both those programs could be like, we need a we need a quarterback. You know? Yeah. Um, but on the surface, right now, like LSU is the one school on his list that sort of checks all the boxes and says. Yeah, I mean, we have Miles Brennan and Lowell Narcisse, but, like, they're going to be competing anyways. You can be the third guy that's there competing, and you're going to get a fair shot. Look at all the freshmen we're playing. You, we, Oak says it all the time. Like, seniority doesn't matter here. We play the best players. So um, it's an interesting – I think it's getting – and turning into a more interesting situation than I imagined it would be. I'm still – I still don't feel any degree of confidence – but oh, the other end onto the Chattanooga offense. Like, I wonder how much of that game plan was a little bit to show him what we can do, because um, he's a big arm quarterback. He wants to throw the ball deep. So, right. apparently, he was impressed with the offense and he liked what he saw. And he has, he's a believer in Canada. So, so that's the big thing. And also, this is a point which I don't think you're making, but. It kind of struck me this weekend because I was watching uh, Louisville, North Carolina. Um, LSU has taken some hits basically for not just for its recruiting at the quarterback position, but for its development of guys. Yes. Saying, hey, you know, they, they get these guys, they actually are really good, but then they don't know, you know, what to do with them. Watching Harris play this weekend, um, and then also seeing you know how Jennings has done since transferring. Maybe that 
narrative is wrong. Maybe it actually is. Maybe it has been recruiting misses. I, I'm not going to talk about the past, but this crop that you know that group, uh, you know, three four years, you know, the Reddit and Reddick never panned out anywhere. Yeah, maybe that really just was a recruiting miss, not a coaching failure to develop. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it is sort of like. I think a lot of people thought Brandon Harris was going to go to UNC and just magically be awesome, but, like, he's battling for the starting job. And to me, his play is a lot like it was at LSU. It's up and it, down. He has these really moments is. of brilliance, and then it's like he's throwing the ball three feet in front of a receiver. You know? it's yeah, like, it's just like that? he has a big arm, but he can't make those short throws. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it just struck me that I was, I was like, for all the – you know, bad press house has gotten for its failure to develop a quarter pack. Maybe there was just it, it maybe it is the simplest explanation that they just missed on on their recruiting. Yeah. Recruiting quarterbacks is hard. It's hard for NFL teams to draft a quarterback. Imagine how hard it is to recruit one when over a much you know bigger field. Yeah, and you're looking at like I mean Florida's not a great example because Franks was always going to be more of a he was very raw, but like Georgia, everyone thought Eason was going to be great. It was sure to be great. Yeah. And he struggled last year. Okay, he's a true freshman. That happens. Georgia wasn't a great team around him, so like that bad offensive line. Okay, there's you know I was among them saying he'll take that step forward this year. Didn't look great, and then he got hurt, and now it's like he may not even get the job back. You know, or like Drew Locke, uh, uh, Missouri, yeah. another guy. Hey, he struggled early, but, you know, things will be fine. He's a four- or five-star quarterback. Everything's going to work out. And just hasn't. Quarterback is a hard – it's the hardest position to evaluate. It really is. So it's just interesting. I mean, if, if LSU strikes out on fields, there's not really many options. I mean, they haven't uh, – Last year was great because they got Brennan and Narcisse, but the depth chart doesn't look great. And yeah, you have hey, you still have McMillan. Yeah. Um, I'm not too concerned if they strike out next year or this year in recruiting at, at quarter. I, I know you want to take a quarterback every year. I, I know that, but there are sometimes misses matter more than other years. Yeah. And this is one of those years where it doesn't matter quite as much because you have two, you'll have you have three guys on the depth chart. McMillan, I think we all has been passed up and probably is never going to play. But if something were to happen to Brennan, you know, McMillan's the first guy up off the bench probably uh, still, so he's at least there as a capable backup. And I don't foresee him transferring. I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah, he tweeted some ups- like. Thing the other day about everything in his life is going to get better in May next year, which people took to being like once he graduates. So I don't know. Maybe he's planning on leaving after this year. Uh, maybe. Um, but you look at it. You have two quarterbacks on on, on scholarship right now. We'll, we'll, yeah, let's even just say McMillan goes. You have two quarterbacks there. You definitely want a third, but one would be a sophomore. One will either be a freshman or a sophomore. That's still you're still okay on your depth on your depth chart. Just cause they're so young. Yeah, absolutely. 
And they're, yeah, two really but, talented guys. But they're both underclassmen, so I think that makes it a little bit easier to swallow not getting one. But I do think, yes, you need a quarterback in this class. But it's interesting to think about. So, like, here's why I'm not going to hit the panic button if McMillan leaves and we don't get anybody. McMillan is clearly just a roster filler. Like, yeah. he's hardly he's – not, he's not the backup. He might be the third string. We don't even really know. Um, they give a scholarship to Crackle's boy, Caleb Lewis. And to me, that, that makes them basically equal footing. Like, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, if McMillan leaves, then Caleb Lewis is your third string guy. And he's basically well, the same kind of guy. Isn't Caleb Lewis a senior? He's a or sophomore. Is he only a, he's only oh a sophomore. My, oh, my goodness. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. So I'm like I'm not ter- I'm not as worried about the depth situation, and you know like I've like peed all over the Caleb Lewis is our next quarterback thing over and over again, but he's not. It's just I don't see McMillan as serious depth. So if he leaves, it's like well we already have Caleb Lewis. I don't know. I feel like they're on equal footing. Okay, that's fair. But you know, the field thing changes everything. I mean. Look, there are two quarterbacks on the roster next year who will be competing for the job. And if you have to go to your third-string quarterback, you have big enough problems anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <sighs> I mean, witness Texas A&M. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the real answer that, you know, people are like, oh, my God, if McMillan leaves, what what's good? Like, in what scenario are you thinking good things are going to happen if we're down to McMillan? Yeah, I think that's the... I think that's the real answer. So, just something to monitor. I don't know. I guess the 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 aim now is to get Fields back on campus for an unofficial, and they're going to work those those uh, lines. You know, he's kind of a different recruit. Like he's real quiet. He's very subdued, very to right. himself. He's not like a he's not really like he's going to be very thorough with the whole process and pick where he thinks is. Is the best for him. Is the best for him. So uh, it's not going to be a – I don't think it will be a show or dramatic. He's not going to commit to three different schools and then change on signing day or any of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, – He's he's treating this like a professional decision basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely like planning for the next three years and then going to the NFL kind of thing. Right. Okay. Well, I, I – we'll, we'll monitor how the recruitment of fields go even though – we do seem like we're kind of a long shot there. Yeah, I don't feel confident about it at all. But it's just, this was positive strides. That's all. Hey, but well, at least we're at the table. Yeah. Which is more, like more than I can think you could say a month ago. See? So progress. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll meet back next week when uh, um, we've beaten Mississippi State. We have a better lay of the land of how the SEC looks like. But... Right now, I think the big mission is just stay focused, beat state, and reassert yourself as the clear team to challenge Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, that's the goals for this week. 